Harris set. Another 3 2 to Guzman. Swing and a miss. Guzman goes down on strikes, and that is the ball game. The Houston Astros make it two in a row over the Texas Rangers, winning tonight by a final of 7 to 3. This is another Astros podcast. Well, Texas Rangers manager Jeff Bannister is my guest today. And, and, and Jeff, you look at your team right now, and you've had a lot of injuries on this season, but we've seen some guys like Jerks and Profar I want to ask you about that have taken that next step in, in the progression of the type of player you, you guys envisioned a few years ago. Absolutely, and I think that it's a testament to, to his mental state and his attitude of missing two years of baseball, being a part-time player yeah. for a couple of years, and then now all of a sudden thrust because of the injuries into an everyday role. And in the beginning, it was a little bit challenging for him because he had to get himself back. Just the outside world just not, doesn't understand the everyday player. It's such a grueling yeah. <laughs> deal for, for any player that these guys make it look so easy. But for him, he's 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 got himself back into the, that that type of shape. He's out there working every day. His defense has gotten a little bit better. The throwing, we still have to tighten up a little bit. But the the bat is really starting to play for yeah. him. Jeff, as a manager, if a player is going through maybe a seven or ten games skid offensively, how do you encourage them to remain? you know, sharp mentally on defense and keep doing the right things in their practice? Well, that's where uh, you, you hope that uh, we can divide the, those two things, where yeah. you, you keep the offense out of the defense, you keep the defense out of the offense. And there are a lot of times we just we, we, we get them back out there on the on the defensive side and say, hey, look, let's concentrate a little more on, on the defense. Let's start doing some of the little things. We, uh, Tony Beasley and Steve Bouchelle get these guys out and work on a field, kind of take their mind off of that offensive approach shrink that time that they're spending in the cage because, mm-hmm. look, they can lose their glove chasing their bat inside that cage. Yeah. I've been around you, Jeff, long enough to know that you've got a not a different leadership style, but I, I know with you at the helm, you want to encourage these men to become the best that they can be. Where do you draw that from? Well, i, I got to tell you, I had two great parents. Um, Grew up in a coach's household. Uh, I've been around coaches my entire life, yeah. and, uh, and I had a great one uh, in a father who, uh, Texas high school football coach, who instilled in me a lot of confidence, um, yet discipline and trust, and uh, high character and morals. And uh, a mother who uh, filled right in where where need be, and and uh, it, it was it was a great family life. Uh, but I think. You know, being around uh, the grassroots coaches, uh, the guys who were shaping and molding uh, young men and women at the at the low level of, of high school and in the beginning of college, you you learn just the rawness of of what coaching really is in leadership and in mentorship and just it's an everyday process. And it takes patience. Um, Everybody wants to have a certain amount of urgency, and there is. It's necessary to have urgency, yet patience and some kindness, but also firm enough and, and fair enough for, for everybody to understand that you do care about them. Because really, players, they, 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 they think this way. Does a coach care about me, and can he help make me better? And at the end of the day, if you can check those two boxes off and, and – uh, you know, 15, 20 years after their career is over with. I think that that, that thank you uh, uh, and, and a great big hug, I, I'll never forget. There's there's not a, a year goes by that I don't go to some stadium and there's there's a, a, a former player of my of my father 
who will show up and I guess they just they they, they see that maybe the resemblance or they hear the the, the similar voices and they're similar following they're, they're following me and they yeah. they'll catch me in the uh, over on the rail and they'll they'll tell me thanks as though they were telling my dad thanks for the things that he instilled in them. How do you encourage a player as a leader? Well, it is it's consistent uh, every single day. Um, there is. You know, words of uh, critical analysis, okay. and, and so uh, tell them the truth. Yeah. Essentially, you know, tell them, look, a, this is where you are right now. Give them a plan uh, of how they're going to be tomorrow, mm-hmm. and then give them a vision of what they're going to be at the end of their career. I, at, I always ask guys, I said, what what type of player at the end when when they write in your bio, what 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 do you want it to say? Mm-hmm. And then we we help them, we build them a plan. But, you know, players don't really need you when they're going well. They yeah. need you when, when things and times are tough. And, and, and for me, uh, I always wanted to be that coach that I, I, I had in a father. Yeah. But I also, I've had some great coaches in my lifetime that have been there for me when, when things weren't great. And they stuck right there with me. They didn't give up. They didn't, they didn't go, oh, well, he's not good enough, so let me move on to the next guy. And, yeah. they, and I always appreciated that. And so it's through words and actions more so than anything. Thing. When you model behavior for the guys that you're leading, they, 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 they see that and they appreciate that. Last thing, Jeff, one of the things that managers talk about, one of the hardest things as a manager is to run your bullpen. And for the last two, three weeks, for, for your team in particular, your, your bullpen ERA below one, they're really coming together as a squad down there. Yes, they are. Uh, and it, it takes a little bit of time. Yeah. Uh, listen, when there's turnover in your bullpen right. and, and you have some, some guys out there who are – they're gaining experience. Uh, we have some guys in the bullpen that are experienced, but we have some guys that are, that are gaining right. experience, yeah. learning in, in different roles, and, and so it does take time. And it also they, they kind of let you know where they need to be pitching, what their best role is. We 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 come out of spring training all the time saying, look, this guy's got this t- this type of stuff, and we say, hey, we well, can envision them pitching in the eighth inning. Yeah. The reality is, you got to have the intestinal fortitude, the mindset to be able to do that and want to do it day in and day out because yeah. it's not an easy job. And those guys kind of they'll they'll show you who they are uh, if you give them enough opportunity that's the thing that we've we've done early on and and uh, the biggest thing is is to keep them all as fresh as you possibly can yeah. and that that's the key because you could in this game you can wear a bullpen out in sure, a hurry yeah. and, and then it doesn't matter what kind of stuff they have it's it's going to be a, a tough road for them but if you can keep them fresh and you put them in the right spots uh, these guys will perform for you all right that's jeff banister always appreciate the time Thank you very much. The Houston Astros Radio Network. And he lifts this one. Left field. Arriba. Gurriel. Yuli Gurriel with a three-run shot. Steve Sparks. Robert Ford. Whoever in this crowd wasn't standing before, well, they're getting to their feet now. This is the Houston Astros Radio Network. Welcome back. Robert Ford joined by Astros pitching coach Brent Strom. And last year obviously was a great year for the Astros, winning the, the championship for the first time ever. And, and a thrilling postseason run, and there was a, a lot riding on that on that World Series for you personally. Not just obviously the team's success, Drami, but also you you had a you had to deal with your wife based off of that World Series, didn't you? Yeah, unfortunately or fortunately, uh, for ten years she's been uh, bugging me about taking dance lessons. She loves to dance, and uh, I kept putting it off. I finally had gotten enough grief. I finally said, listen, if we win the World Series. I'll take dance lessons with you. Well, fortunately, we, we did win the World Series. Unfortunately for me, 
that meant I took about 30 dance lessons and learned the rumba and the samba and the and the, the nightclub and the tango and I'm still working on it because she's she's uh, going great guns at it but uh, it, it was a good bonding experience for my wife and I finally acquiesced and it was well worth it to win the World Series and then make her happy. So when did you make this deal with your wife Carrie? Was it once the postseason started or before that? Once the postseason started, you know she she uh, she I've always you know she's been a big backer of mine. She understands pitching as much as a wife can, uh, and that's not to belittle the the wives of uh, of husbands. But uh, she would ask me about the guys, how they're doing. She follows them all, and so she kind of knew the the ride that we were on, and uh, she would live and die with the uh, the ups and downs that. Uh, I personally go through with these young pitchers, and and uh, it, was, it was just an exciting time for us, and it culminated with uh, with me trying to. I, one thing it did do for me, Robert, I, I in trying to learn a movement pattern, I can fully appreciate when pitchers don't tr- understand what I'm trying to tell them <laughs> because it's not easy. So, what of all the dances you learned this off season? What was your what was your favorite? Well, I kind of like the nightclub because it uh, was the easiest of, of the ones. And it's, uh, but the, uh, the toughest was the tango by far for me. And uh, the tango is kind of a funny dance. You either uh, look like you're in love at one moment or you, you hate the person at the other moment with the, <laughs> with the facial expressions of the tango. But uh, still working on that. I'm going to do it again this winter uh, when we get back. But uh, my wife has gone forward now. She's trying to become a dance instructor. Uh-huh. So she's uh, moving forward. It's, I always tell her it's a lot easier for the for the lady than it is the guy who's leading. And definitely when she's dancing with me, I've, I've stepped on her feet a few times. So are we going to see Astros pitching coach Brent Strom on Dancing with the Stars anytime soon? No, I, I don't think I'm going to go. I think I'll leave that for the big shooters, the, the, the Altuves of the world and those kind of guys. I think I'm just going to I'm going to stay under the radar and just uh, my wife and I will go out and, and we'll uh, cut a rug. Uh, but at my age, I'm ready to go to bed by 10 o'clock, so I don't think it'll be too late. <laughs> Now, I want to ask you about uh, Justin Verlander last night. I mean, there's been so much said about him, so much written. But I think one of the, it seems like the biggest attributes he has, and we saw it in the game last night, when the game's in the balance, he seems to know uh, what pitches really matter and seems to always come up with the, the big pitch at the right time. I mean, that's something that obviously he has a lot of experience with, but that's not something everybody can do. Well, no question. You know, I, you know, I first met Justin. He likes to cruise at a certain speed, and then you notice when he ratchets it up when he has to. So this is a guy that uh, at one time threw over 100. Uh, he is now obviously at his age and, and the experience he has. He's he's kind of changed his his uh, modus operandi a little bit. So he cruises at a certain speed, uh, allows he knows how that a fastball inside plays better than a fastball away, velocity-wise. And uh, last night, I thought, I think some of the biggest things that he and McCann did, I saw some 2-1 sliders for strikes to some really good left-handed hitters that really kind of got him off it. And then all of a sudden, the fastball in, the fastball up. Um, he had to grind last night. It wasn't easy. Uh, and, uh, you know, this ballpark is a difficult ballpark to pitch in. I thought the home run chew hit when he first hit it was not going to go out. Uh, but I looked at him, and he was unfaced, where, where a lot of times it would set a guy back on his heels. He said, okay, I have work to do. I think he proceeded to strike out the next five guys. So uh, he's a tremendous, tremendous uh, competitor, and I can't tell you the asset he is to the, to this whole pitching staff and to this team. Brent Twinkle Tolls Strom, <laughs> Astros pitching coach and fantastic dancer, as we now know. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, my pleasure, Robert. Thanks. The Houston Astros Radio Network. That is on the outside corner for strike three. Man, did he freeze him with that fastball at 97. Robert Ford, Steve Sparks, Charlie Stinkin' Morton. Thought it was Charlie Freakin' Morton, something like that. This is the Houston Astros Radio Network.